The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Guys, a lot to talk about around Georgia Bulldogs football as we continue through December, as we continue to close in on the early signing period. And Guys, let's just get right into it. Uh, you know, I really debated, hey, let's be funny. Let's be, oh, you know, the big news. Oh, this backup offensive lineman's going to the portal. Yeah, that's what everyone's here about. No, let's just uh, jump right into it. Dylan Riola, uh, nothing has happened as of Tuesday afternoon, but our expert Steve Wiltfong has moved his crystal ball from Riola going to Georgia to going to Nebraska. Obviously, a lot of buzz about the five-star quarterback, one of the top players in the nation. And now we're sort of all on watch to see what happens with Dylan Riola, what happens next. I believe it was on three reported he's supposed to visit Lincoln, Nebraska, this weekend, obviously, there's uh, family connections with Nebraska. His father having played there, his uncle being an offensive line coach for the Cornhuskers. I'm going to start with you, Kip. What did you make of these this news on Monday night and the ramifications for Georgia if they do, in fact, lose Dylan Raiola? Uh, I would be 100% lying if I thought that I, anyone in the industry or honestly anyone at Georgia saw this coming i mean i i assume at this point that georgia had that discussion with dylan and maybe got word uh about a week ago but just the fact that you know how the news broke um on monday and just uh overall how quickly this came to pass uh it, it's uh not something that anyone really had thought about had written about and even nebraska writers caught off guard so usually in these sorts of things you know, maybe uh, the other team that's getting good news might uh, lightly hint or try to keep it under wraps so that, you know, they don't affect the process. But in this scenario, I, I think this is 100% just something that came to pass as, uh, as quickly as we've seen it. And with it being a five-star quarterback, um, I don't know how many more times I'll be able to say this isn't really something I've, I've covered or experienced uh, in recruiting, but, you know, going into – like year 18 now, but this, this is new. It's uh, something new for Georgia, but it's also something, you know, uh, Georgia has seen five-star quarterbacks come and go. So I think uh, right now, my initial thoughts are it definitely stinks. It, he is a highly talented quarterback, but this is a recruiting story more than it's really a Georgia as a program story. 
Yeah, I kind of hit on that, Kip, in the column I wrote on Tuesday that obviously, you know, I think it's foolish if you're on the Georgia side of things to be like, now oh, this isn't that big a deal. He's not all that good. No, he's really talented. You know, he, uh, <laughs> he might, uh, uh, you know, he might have a really good career ahead of him. He's very talented. Uh, but on, at the same time, I mean, Georgia's still got a whole lot of talent. Um, obviously, I mean, the, the big guy that everybody's talking about now is Ryan Buglisi, still being in the class, still sticking with that commitment with two quarterbacks at the time in the class. And now, obviously, he's the only quarterback in Georgia's 2024 class. Um, but it, it definitely stings if you're Georgia to understand, you know, that, uh, you know, the finish line is in sight when it comes to at least the December signing period and that it looks like, you know, the top player in your class is getting ready to flip uh, and go to Nebraska. Ben, what were your thoughts on when this news came out and uh, any additional thoughts on just what this means for Georgia moving forward? Well, you can obviously count me among the people that Kip's referring to that did not see this coming in a million years. I mean, I went to six still in Riola football games this fall to go watch him play. I thought that he was a guy that had a great chance to be primed to be the quarterback of the future at Georgia. And so for this to happen this close to signing day is probably what's most jarring about it. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's not something that was in – our view, I think that to Kip's point, it was probably not into George's view really until very, very recently. And there's not a whole lot of time to figure it out or deal with damage control or have a backup plan or whatever that might be. And so it's, uh, you know, the timing is probably what makes this the most surprising thing. I think that, you know, I was trying to reach out to really whoever I could yesterday to figure out what the heck's even going on here. A lot of that consisted of people that are in Georgia's 2024 class, family members of people that are in the 2024 class. I think that there were a lot of folks that were really caught off guard by this happening. To Kip's point, I mean, there's been a major rallying cry, the, the message that I've gotten back around Ryan Puglisi or Jordan, to what you pointed out, around Ryan Puglisi, because Georgia's uniquely positioned to survive a situation like this because they have another Elite 11 quarterback. I think that there's a lot of people that feel really, really strongly about Ryan Puglisi. Um, as a quarterback. So, you know, it's a bizarre situation. I never saw it coming. Obviously, to your point, Jordan, nothing has actually happened yet officially, but it feels like we all sort of know the general direction this is going because he was supposed to be, you know, getting to campus this weekend. A lot of early enrollees are coming in early this upcoming weekend. He was supposed to be among those. They're going to be moving in, doing bowl practices. I mean, again, for this to happen right now, is really, really surprising. But for it to be Nebraska is not necessarily the surprising part. Like if you had drawn up the scenario, hey, this is going to happen, who's it going to be? Nebraska would have been a logical choice because of his dad playing there, his uncle being on the staff as an offensive line coach. He did take a visit for a game earlier this season, and I think has been in Lincoln probably as much or more than he's been you know, any other school in the country. So um, not surprising necessarily that it's Nebraska, but surprising nonetheless that it's happening at all. Saw one of the comments asking about his uncle getting an extension if that played into it. You know, I don't think the money part of it does, but I do think that on one side of it, you do feel pretty good that your uncle is going to be around. You know what I mean? That he is going to be on staff while he is there. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I wanted to bring it back up because I think people are wondering. And I'll ask you, Kip, um, do you see this having a domino effect with Georgia's class? What, what do you make of what happens now? Uh, you know, again, has been uh, hinted at and what makes it kind of weird to talk about. Nothing's happened yet, but all indications are that Dylan Riola will not be part of the signing class. With one week to go until the early signing period, 
I mean, this is officially the silly season, and we're talking about something that a lot of recruiting fans would see as, as being pretty silly, just a guy flipping his potentially flipping his commitment uh, as a quarterback, you know, right at signing day. I think this is why the coaches go out and do in-home visits. This is why the last week is important. You have to secure everyone. You know, a lot of fans on the junkyard at Dogs 247 and, and all across, uh, you know, 24-7 sports want to get those in-home visit updates. But they want those updates on the uncommitted guys. You know, they want to know, like, uh, when is Kirby Smart going to see K.J. Bolden? Like, who, who, what, what other guys? Who is Georgia going to flip? Uh, when you hear, you know, Kirby Smart is visiting, you know, uh, your your running back commitment, um, you know, your linebacker commitment, Justin Williams, it doesn't really, you know, uh, there isn't as much fanfare. Uh, but now, you know, it's probably pretty important because the reason why these guys are committed to Georgia is because they're among the best players in the country and they're wanted by a lot of programs. And those programs are still trying to get every one of Georgia's commitments. And so it's vital uh, for Georgia to hold on to all these other guys. As far as, you know, Dylan Raola, it's an individual recruitment. Um, everyone always talks about how quarterbacks are, you know, the Pied Pipers, how they lead all these other guys uh, into the fold. When we watch this entire cycle, I, I mean, honestly, I, I can't really tell you uh, which guy Georgia wasn't already trending with that they landed on the commitment list after getting uh, Dylan Rallo's commitment. Obviously, it, it gave them a lot of uh, positive pub, um, but uh, every single guy that they have on the commitment list was was already looking at Georgia seriously, already had Georgia basically as their leader. And I, I don't really think you connect his potential decommitment to any other recruit. It is just a reminder to Georgia that they got to make sure they lock all these guys down because uh, one guy, one recruitment, not going to topple Georgia. I think this is a, a situation where this news is more good news for Nebraska than it is bad news for Georgia as far as where these programs are and where they're trying to get to right now. So, again, individually, it's a loss, uh, but there, there are still positives. Obviously, uh, you know, Georgia already has a quarterback on board, like Ben mentioned, who's very talented. And uh, I think it's it's also just good news for Gunnar Stockton. Uh, he could be that you know next Carson Beck. If we're talking about you know down the road of a guy who uh, now could be potentially the backup next season, he could follow in the footsteps of both Stetson Bennett and Carson Beck the last couple of years of you know getting more experience and being more ready. So if you want to look at that positive sign for Georgia, I think it, it helps them keep Gunnar Stockton in the fold and it helps him have a stronger position to get more experience moving forward at Georgia. I think you make a very good point, Kip. You know, when he committed, you know, we were looking around, I think Ryan Wingo could maybe they flip Jeremiah Smith, you know, what would it look like from the receiver standpoint? And it never really came to pass when it came to some of those top wide receivers. And obviously Georgia would love to keep Dylan Royal in this class uh, but it looks like, you know, there's not going to be a ton of ramifications as far as guys who said, you know, oh, I want to go play with Dylan Riola and deciding that now that he's not coming to Georgia, that they're not coming to Georgia either. Uh, ben, any additional thoughts you have on that 2024 class, um, the ramifications if and when Dylan Riola uh, winds up committing elsewhere? I probably echo what Kip said there in that I don't think he's directly tied to or linked to a specific recruit that would cause them 
to flip away from Georgia because he's no longer in the class. That said, I think that it probably does open our eyes a little bit to say, all right, down the stretch here, who are the guys whose recruitments are still a little bit interesting? You know, Nitro Tuggle, Nate Frazier, Justin Williams, guys that are really, really good football players that have very competitive recruitments. Does this, you know, mean anything in terms of the ability to steal players away from Georgia at the last second when you're maybe not expecting it. I think that we've come to be so familiar with Georgia being bulletproof in a lot of those regards because you want to sign with Georgia here down the stretch. Well, obviously, if a five-star quarterback is flipping, and again, I, I noticed a comment as well asking, like, has he has he flipped it? As of us recording this, he has not. This is just the way that it's trending, and based on the things that we've been piecing together and conversations that we've had over the last, I don't know what, 12 hours or so, 15, 30, 20 hours or so, um, it seems that it's going that direction. Definitely, and we will keep you guys all informed when it comes to his recruitment, if he does make an announcement, if he does make a decision, uh, and we will uh, let you guys know over at Dogs 24-7. A lot of recruiting news on uh, the front for Georgia uh, when it comes to the signing class getting wrapped up, and also when it comes to the transfer portal, a big weekend this past weekend for Georgia, having guys on campus trying to convince them to eventually sign with the Bulldogs. Uh, Ben, just tell us about uh, what Georgia was able to do this past weekend as far as bringing guys on campus, some of the names to know, and uh, some of the recruitments to watch over these next few weeks. The the three transfer possibilities that were on campus at some point over the weekend were Vanderbilt wide receiver London Humphreys, South Carolina defensive lineman Xavier McLeod, and USC wide receiver Michael Jackson. Um, so those three uh, were the ones that I would you know, pay most attention to at this point in time. London Humphreys in particular is the one that I think has been most closely linked to Georgia throughout this process, really ever since he entered his name into the portal. Jordan, you spoke with him, obviously, after his visit, and I know that you'll share some things from that as well. But, I mean, I think that we all agree we expect London Humphreys to probably end up in Georgia's on Georgia's roster here sometime in the near future. Um, you know, who knows, depending on when you're able to produce this podcast, who knows exactly when, uh, what, what the news is at that point in time either. Uh, but that, you know, that's a, a receiver that fits a lot of the things that Georgia looks for, a, you know, multiple years of eligibility left, had some success against Georgia runs like a four, four has, you know, state record times in the state of Tennessee in the 200 meter. I mean, track level speed that George is looking for from the re- receiver position. So that's the guy of the group that has been on campus already that I would point to and say, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up in George's class. The other guys, Xavier McLeod, I know Kip, you spoke with Xavier. So I'm sure that you'll have a little bit more insight into what he said specifically about that visit. Um, but someone that Georgia recruited out of high school, Fitz, you know, I saw someone earlier comment as well. Georgia needs more defensive linemen. Well, that's what they're going to be seeking out in the portal where they can find it. He definitely fits that as well. And then um, Michael Jackson, you know, aside from obviously being named Michael Jackson, really good wide receiver from USC. He was on campus at the end of the weekend and into yesterday, Monday as well. So I don't have as much info yet on what to take away from that. But again, anytime that these guys are using their first visit that they really can have during this transfer window to get to Athens, it's probably a pretty good indicator of where they consider Georgia in their transfer recruitment. Follow the visits is always the lesson when it comes really to just recruiting in general. 
Uh, I'll talk a little bit about London Humphreys. As you mentioned, Ben, I talked to him Sunday night after he'd finished his visit in Athens. A lot of positives to take away from his experience at Georgia. He really uh, raved about the support staff, you know, how much they care about the players. He said they really sold him on the development that he could have if he came to Georgia. If you're listening to this and you're like, who is London Humphreys? You know, I, I didn't really follow Vanderbilt that much. If you watch that Georgia Vanderbilt game, you remember him. He uh, took a slant for 49 yards for a touchdown on Vanderbilt's opening drive. A very talented kid. Uh, ben, as you had mentioned on the board several times, uh, talking to one of his high school coaches, just how fast he is and, and the talent he has. Um, he's definitely a guy that checks a lot of boxes for Georgia. From what I can tell, and I shared this in the story that I wrote on Monday, uh, I feel really, really good about his chances at landing at Georgia. Um, not planning on taking any other visits as of uh, when I talked to him on Sunday night. Um, seems like it's a decision that's coming sooner rather than later. Uh, didn't share exactly when that's going to be, but I think that it is trending very, very positively for Georgia, and I do think London Humphreys winds up becoming a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, Kip, what did you take away from talking to Xavier McLeod? Uh, what stood out to you and uh, where he is at this point? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, Xavier was uh, one of the Georgia's top targets uh, along the defensive line, a guy that could play five technique but could also slide inside on passing downs. Um, pick South Carolina. Uh, I think if, if you look at that situation, it was uh, one where Georgia felt really good about his recruitment, but South Carolina had a, you know, a connection with Jimmy Lindsay, who was the defensive line coach there and that one in the end. But then right after that, Lindsay left to be the defensive line coach at LSU. So, you know, South Carolina had a defensive line coach right after, Xavier McLeod came on board. They hired Travian Robertson as their defensive line coach, I believe, uh, from Tulane. And, you know, four games into his, his freshman season, I think Xavier felt like this wasn't the right situation and have that connection. He wasn't, you know, obviously playing time is always a factor. He was, you know, getting some playing time, but uh, not what he envisioned, which, again, that pretty common now with the transfer portal. That's kind of a – pretty big factor. So after four games, you know, he was, he wanted to, you know, preserve that. He wanted to use the red shirt and uh, they, you know, South Carolina, you know, really wasn't on the same page and they kind of parted ways there. And I think this is just a situation where he wanted to hit the reset button. He's basically a, you know, a high school recruit all over again. So what was the other school he was heavily considering? And that, that's Georgia. And, you know, he had a relationship with the, the entire Georgia coaching staff. And he, he now uh, feels comfortable about, you know, that situation. He made sure to visit them that first, you know, that first weekend this past weekend. And I think right now is, uh, you know, he hasn't really said any other visits. I know LSU, Florida State, they're, they're both interested as well. Um and so right now he's finishing up classes this week and kind of looking to see what that next step is. But I know that Trey Scott's told him, hey, man, I hope you shut it down and come here. And so he knows he's wanted it, Georgia. Um, I, I think right now he knows Georgia is a pretty strong fit. And I, I, I like where Georgia's chances are. And this is a guy that was, again, pretty uh, highly regarded by Georgia coming out of high school, Camden, South Carolina, uh, a four-star recruit. And like we said, they need multiple defensive linemen. I, I think getting Xavier McLeod would, would be a strong start, and I think that's something that could probably happen, you know, by in the next couple of weeks, by by the end of the month. 
I want to make sure before we take a break, uh, Patrick Burns on Facebook asked, are we going to land uh, Trevor Etienne? Ben, you had a good note, just a general note on Monday about his recruitment. Uh, just what can you tell us about the former Florida running back um, and where things stand as he's going through his recruitment? Yeah, well, it was almost like a re-temperature check on things from last week when I had done my uh, hot, lukewarm, cold. He had been in the hot category. I would still consider him more in the hot category than any other category, but I did want to just call out that that recruitment at this point appears to be a little bit more competitive than the London Humphreys and the Xavier McLeod ones were. Like, I feel like George is probably just a little bit more well-positioned. That's evidenced by the fact that they were already on campus. So, again, I do think that Georgia and ATN are – in communication that Georgia is a school that he is strongly considering. I know that there was a lot of buzz with ETN and Georgia prior to him entering the portal when he entered the portal. And since he's entered the portal, that hasn't changed, but I do think that there are other running back situations at premier programs. You know, he's said that he wants to win and he wants to be as much of a feature guy as he can possibly be. And I think that, you know, Georgia, potentially provide some of that i think ohio state probably provides some of that as well lsu probably provides a little bit of that as well so i think that there's still some you know news to unfold with the trevor etn recruitment but i definitely think that georgia is going to be involved and has as good of a shot as anyone at this point in time we're going to take a quick break come back talk about some of the portal departures for georgia and georgia's 2024 schedule Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Looking at the portal, I wanted to take this question from Facebook and Timothy Wilson. Is it me or does it feel like mass exiting in Georgia? Does missing the college football playoff have a large part to do with it? That's exactly what it is, Timothy. And if you'll remember, you saw this after the playoff uh, last year after Georgia won the national title. I don't remember off the top of my head how many guys wound up leaving. But once you're sort of out of that playoff picture, you're going to see guys leave. You're going to see guys decide to go elsewhere to look at other options. And that's exactly what's happened with Georgia. I don't think there's really any reason to panic if you're a Georgia fan thinking that things are, you know, all the ships sinking, all this stuff. It's just sort of a timing situation. If Georgia would have beaten Alabama in the SEC title game, this would have been prolonged, would have gone into probably mid-January before you saw this. And sort of piggybacking off of that, since the last time we recorded, seven Georgia players have gone into the portal. I believe that's up to 13 that we have at this point. Uh, running through them really quick, kick it, uh, kicker Jared Zirkel, cornerback Nylon Green, receiver Makai Muse, inside linebackers EJ Lightsey and Xavier Sori, receiver Zeed Haynes, and offensive guard Alou Ba 
so you've got a lot of guys in that portal. Again, I can understand why fans are a little bit concerned seeing the numbers and understanding, you know, that there may be a few more guys who go in. But I'll start with you, Kip, and I'll sort of give my opinion that there's not been a ton of surprises with these guys. I think the biggest one is probably Zed Haynes just because he was young. He's just a freshman um, and uh, pretty highly uh, hyped when he first got to Georgia. Didn't play a ton this year. Um, but other than that, a lot of these guys have been backups, guys that um, were sort of buried on the depth chart. Um, do you sort of see that the same way, Kip, with these guys that have left at this point? Yeah, and I'll just point out that the last three years, Georgia lost uh, 10 guys. Uh, 12 guys, and last year after winning back-to-back national championships, they, they lost 15 guys to the transfer portal. And this is just how rosters reset every offseason. You know, if you're, if, if you're, like I said before with Xavier McLeod, if you're, if you're not getting the playing time you thought or, you know, that clock is starting to tick towards you trying to get, put out some, you know, some film for a potential NFL future, um, you're going, you know, you're going to, to head to the portal. Um, you know, guys doing it after one season, uh, like we said with Zed Haynes, yeah, that, that one's a little tough because you, you, you want these guys to, to maybe have a little bit more patience and know that you're playing a position that, you know, uh, requires you to pick up a lot more of the playbook, um, especially at Georgia, you're trying to get the NFL while they're running that system that you need to learn to be able to get to the NFL. They're asking you to do things NFL teams ask their team, their guys to do. So that that's one where, you know, it's, it's probably you'd like to have him back, but yeah, at the same time, uh, these guys were, you know, mostly not on the two deep, you know, now and green, Xavier and sorry, were guys that were rotating in, but they'd already put in multiple years and, you know, hadn't gotten to where they really wanted to be or felt they should be. So, it's also still, like I said, an opportunity for, for Georgia. You know, they, they continue to, to bring in elite talent every year, mostly through the high school ranks. But, again, they're going to see if there's any guys out there themselves that they can upgrade at multiple positions. Like we said, wide receiver, defensive line, um, you know, potentially an offensive tackle or safety if they can get it. And, obviously, one of the best running backs in the SEC is looking heavily at Georgia right now. So, I, I, the transfer portal is, is you know, giving guys more freedom to, to find new places. But for Georgia, I think there's still been a net positive impact uh, on the roster, especially with Kirby Smart wanting to build this roster mostly through high school recruiting. I saw a comment that said, why do the three of us look depressed? Uh, I think we always look like that. I don't think that has anything to do with anything going on. That's just that's just the, the nature and uh, the uh, the truth after a long football season. That's just sort of what we look like. Uh, ben, what, what do you think about the guys that have gone in the portal to this point and uh, you know, potentially leaving Georgia, just uh, what this group, uh, what you make of this group? To this point, I would not say that there's anybody that necessarily surprised us. I mean, I think that Zed Haynes probably fit most into the, you know, the young wide receivers. You don't really know exactly. You assume you're probably going to see some churn there when there's not a lot of playing time across the board. And obviously Anthony Evans seemed to have sort of earned the most playing time among that group. So I think that Zed Haynes and Tyler Williams were probably both names that were like in consideration as possible, you know, transfer risks everyone else in Xavier story Makai Muse probably had the most on-field impact but again I don't think that you're 
Um, it's not program changing. And I mean, that's the thing to Kip's point of everything we talked about, Dylan Raiola, individual players, it's really hard for you to be program changing at this point in Georgia's maturation as a program. I mean, you have to really, really, really be a difference maker and be a really surprise when you're leaving for it to have that probably level of impact. So I would say that it's more just Georgia's trying to get its roster numbers where it needs to get them to. I think that probably, and this is not naming any names or anything like that, the one the transfers that are going to hurt if you feel them are going to be the ones that haven't announced yet because they're the ones that have been having retention conversations with Georgia where Georgia has been having making serious efforts to try and hold on to them. And that's a, a whole part of the game these days with the transfer portal and NIL and schools having to work on retention and all of that. It's a different game that Kirby Smart and his group has to play in terms of determining who do we prioritize to hold on to the roster. All of that's happening right now. And the guys that you don't want to transfer are the ones that Georgia is probably more willing to be having those difficult conversations with longer into this portal window. So I'd probably, if you're worried about any guys that would be leaving, I'd probably be looking forward more than looking behind because I think most of the guys that are already in the portal were to be expected or you could at least, you know, make a make a case for why it made sense i want to make sure before we get off the portal talk to just talk briefly about a couple of the guys that were at georgia who have already found homes at the uh, at the collegiate level elsewhere uh, jonathan jefferson going to smu brock vandergrift to kentucky which we have not done a podcast since then um, i'll start with you kip just what do you make about brock vandergrift staying in the sec going to lexington uh, what that can mean for brock and what that can mean for kentucky yeah, I think it's a great fit. Uh, obviously, he had his mindset that he wanted to get his degree from Georgia and, and you know, find a new home. And I, I look at the Kentucky the last couple of years and, you know, the quarterback position, uh, I think they overall, they are now that kind of team where they're going to look every year and try to find a potential NFL level uh, quarterback to, to kind of plug in there. And so I think that's, that's kind of where Kentucky is, uh, and I think it's really going to give him an opportunity to uh, put out NFL film. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. You know, obviously, we're still waiting to see what happens with Carson Beck. He has not announced anything as we record this podcast. We all still kind of feel that he is leaning towards coming back for next season, which obviously would be bigger news than, you know, any quarterback Georgia's involved with right now. Uh, so don't, you know, no one should forget that when they're thinking the sky is falling. Uh, but I do think that you, you look at Brock Vandergriff and knowing that he didn't get that opportunity to start his first couple of years, not everyone is going to be a Carson Beck and, and wait till you potentially only have two years of eligibility uh, to be a starter. And then that's where Brock Vandegrift is right now. I mean, he's got two years to get out there and, and, you know, show himself to, to the world, what he can do. And so I, I think it, it's a natural fit after watching Will Levis there after watching Devin Leary there, he slides right in as, as that next guy. And um, yeah, he's obviously physically talented and, you know, we haven't really been able to see what he can do as a starter, but um, you know, it's a great fit for him, and, you know, I think it's going to make for an interesting, you know, SEC slate. Definitely. Ben, uh, what, what were your thoughts about Vandergriff and deciding to stay within the SEC? 
Well, to Kip's point around the, you know, we've seen it with Devin Leary. We've seen it with Will Levis. Like, I'm fascinated to see what the hype train around Brock Vandergriff becomes because he was a five-star recruit. He played for a team. He's played for teams that won national championships. Everyone is impressed by his physical tools. And, like, if we know anything about what, how Will Levis – and Devin Leary were portrayed coming into their seasons. Like I expect Brock Vandergriff to be viewed as probably one of the five best quarterbacks in the country's 10 best quarterbacks in the country, which is like, you know, wild probably from our vantage point, because we know that we've been seeing him sit behind folks, but I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how all of that plays out. And I think that he has an opportunity to be really successful as well. So I don't just say it all in, in jest around what the hype train could be. Like, I think that it's a good fit for him in terms of what they've proven they can do. I mean, again, Will Levis was almost exactly the same, a guy that played for a really good football program that was behind a quarterback that had played and been in the system for a long time. And he knew he wasn't going to get his shot there. So he transferred to Kentucky and, you know, for a, long portion of his season people thought he was going to be the number one overall pick or that he was in the conversation to be the number one overall pick i'm not ruling it out that brock vandekrift could have a similar hype train around him he's obviously got to you know put the product out on the field as well but i think he's fully capable of doing it so i will say though as it relates to georgia i'm not making a carson beck decision or announcement or anything like that but given what we've already said in this podcast about dylan riola trending away from georgia obviously brock vandegriff going to kentucky um if carson beck is not coming back to georgia and the quarterback roster next year is gunner stockton and uh ryan puglisi i we've got way more quarterback news to be coming in the future as well because but all that to say not that any of those things were directly in line with whatever Carson was going to be doing. But I think that Georgia would probably have navigated the quarterback situation a little bit differently here down the stretch if they didn't think that Carson was coming back. 100%. And if he leaves, I'm, I'm putting all my money on Jackson Muschamp, TV one, uh, when we go into 2024. Speaking of 2024, Wednesday night, the SEC is going to announce the schedules for all 16 teams as we get ready for Texas and Oklahoma to join the conference. We were able to get our hands on Georgia's schedule a little bit ahead of time. I wanted to run through that for everybody in case you missed that story last week and just to uh, get Ben and Kip's thoughts on that. Run through this real quick, starting with week one and going down the slate. Georgia will open versus Clemson in Atlanta. Then you've got versus Tennessee Tech at Kentucky, which will probably be against Brock Vandegrift there in week three. A bye week, then you have at Alabama versus Auburn versus Mississippi State at Texas. Another bye week, Florida in Jacksonville at Ole Miss versus Tennessee versus UMass, and then ending the regular season at home against Georgia Tech. I'll start with you, Ben. Any initial thoughts on what this schedule looks like for Georgia in 2024? Any matchups that really catch your eye or uh, things that might concern you for the Bulldogs going into next year? Well, you know, that Texas at Alabama, I think, is probably the thing that catches everybody's eye. If you're a Georgia fan that likes to go on the road, get your uh, get your Airbnbs and hotels and flights and all that booked, especially for Austin, because you're battling with uh, Formula One fans as well. They're going to be there that same weekend. So those are the two you know, big time road games. I think if I'm not mistaken, you, you're looking at it, Jordan, so you can correct me. I think it's three home games through the first 11 weeks. Is that right? Uh, I think it might be four because you've got Mississippi State, Auburn, uh, 
Well, yeah, Clemson's in Atlanta, so yeah, I think it's three. I was so, counting Clemson as a home game. So, I mean, that's, you know, uh, a lot of things not happening in Sanford Stadium to start the year. So, you know, you're probably end of season if Georgia's gotten through the gauntlet, you know, well through those first 11 weeks, um, you know, you're probably going to have some good fun times in Sanford Stadium to close out the season, but you're going to have to be either watching on TV or hitting the road to go see them. So that's probably what's most intriguing. Um, aside from, we just mentioned Brock Vandergriff. I do find going on the road to play Brock Vandergriff week three um, is fascinating. I don't know Kentucky's schedule, but I would assume that's probably his first SEC game at, you know, assuming he's the, the Kentucky quarterback. So fitting a little full circle moment for him too. Kip, uh, what are your thoughts on how this schedule is shaping up? Well, yeah, I was going to say the SEC opener already has its own storyline. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, playing Alabama and Auburn back-to-back, I find that interesting. Playing Auburn, I guess now this is the new normal, I guess the fifth game of the season. So that's, that's you know, I guess just where things are going to be in the Georgia-Auburn game. But, you know, at least the game still is still happening. Um, I can't imagine, you know, them going into next season and just not having Auburn on the schedule. So it's still it could be worse. But you look at this and you go, well, I think if you're Kirby Smart, you are glad this is when the 12 team playoff is here. Uh, it couldn't come at a better time. And so if Georgia goes undefeated this season, uh, you go ahead and give them coach of the year. You're not really worried about what happens in Atlanta. And uh, I mean, you just sit out your guys if you want to and play the backups. That would be a, a fun discussion to have on what Georgia should actually do in that game if they already know they're in. Um, but uh, yeah, Kirby Smart's built this team for for a you know a, a twelve uh, team playoff. And if you look at the last uh, seven years, a regular season, um, you know they went seven and two during the pandemic year, but. You got 11 and 1, 11 and 1, 11 and 1, 12-0, 12-0, 12-0, 12-0. So if any team's built for uh, a regular season slate, and no matter how easy or tough it is, um, I think Georgia's consistency translates into what's going to happen with this 12-team playoff. And so, you know, it's going to be a tough slate. I think you look at the uh, in between their two bye weeks, I think that's, the the stretch you really look at is the the toughest you know trips of the season um and so that's that's kind of the uh, the fascinating thing you know when they have the first bye they come off that play Alabama Auburn Mississippi State at Texas you know and then then you have your second bye obviously to get prepared for for Florida so uh, that that stretch right there um is it, going to be kind of the the tail of the season um but then you look at after the second bye, it's the same as last year. You know, you got Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, and um, playing Jackson Dart at home, coming off a 10-win season, figures to be, a, you know, a, a pretty interesting game as well. So I think this is obviously coming off a year where Georgia's schedule was questioned by everyone. I don't, you know – the narrative this time next year, it will not be about, you know, Georgia not having earned whatever game they're playing in in December and January. Kip, you hit on the stretch that to me is the most intriguing with Alabama at Alabama, at home against Auburn, at home against Mississippi State, at Texas. 
to me, all four of those games are super interesting. We don't have to break down Alabama and Texas because they're both in the college football playoff this year. They figure to be good. Auburn, guys, I think is going to be significantly better, especially on offense next year. Definitely helps to have them in Sanford Stadium, a place they have not won since 2005. And then Mississippi State's kind of the wild card with Jeff Levy coming in. We don't really know what that's going to look like, and they've been super busy so far this offseason. That stretch to me is going to determine what Georgia's season looks like. And again, we've talked a lot about Carson Beck, but if you can get him back, that is going to be so huge for navigating some of these really, really challenging games that you're going to be playing next year. Before we get out of here, let's do a little Georgia men's basketball minute. Since the last time we recorded, Georgia got a big win in clean, old-fashioned hate, 76-62 over Georgia Tech. Really dominated this one. I mean, really set the stage for a big game, um, took control early. I think they led for about 39 minutes of the 40 minutes of action. Blue Kane, a former Georgia Tech signee, has a big game. Um, they take care of business. They are now 3-1 and one against ACC competition. Six and three overall. Four home games left in the calendar year. All four very winnable there in Stegman Coliseum. So things are going well for Georgia basketball. Six and three. Got a real chance to end non-conference play at 10 and three. And they better make the most of it because their start to conference play is super, super challenging at Missouri. Home against Arkansas. Home against Tennessee. So they got to get all their wins right now because it may be a really rough start. To the month of January. We are going to wrap up the podcast right there. I appreciate everyone who watched this live, everyone who has listened to this after the fact, everybody that's arguing in the comments. Man, it has been so long since we've had that, guys. You know how pumped I am to see that? That means uh, that everybody's tuning in, everybody's got uh, something to say for sure. I uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in. Make sure and go to dogs247.com if you haven't already. We will have the latest on Dylan Raiola, all the recruiting news, all the portal news as we continue to watch to see what happens on that front. Also, be sure to go to Dogs 24-7 on YouTube. Go subscribe. you got the Kirby Smart press conferences, the player press conferences, uh, Mike White interviews, uh, Georgia men's basketball interviews, and all these podcast episodes. So for Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolk, I am Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody. Turns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.